Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Broadcasting live from the Hyundai studio, presented by your local Hyundai dealers. This is Chicago's number one and most listened to sports station. 670 The Score is Chicago Sports. Chicago Sports is The Score. WSCR and HD Chicago. WBMX HD2 Chicago. Odyssey Station. The score! High in the air to right center. Robert didn't make the catch. He reached out, had it tick off his glove, never got the feet set, and it's seven to two. That's a E8. Watch it again. Luis is supposed to make this catch. He just doesn't. And Adam Engel could have made the catch, but he defers to a center fielder, and then the ball falls. Welcome back in on 670 The Score. It's Speaks here with you. Matt Spiegel with you on Hit and Run. Jim Callis coming up at around 10.20 from MLB Pipeline. Ron Coomer next hour. Chris Kampka next hour. You guys all morning long. Hope you are well on a beautiful, flat-out glorious July 10th Sunday morning. And that a low light from the Friday White Sox game. We talked at 9 o'clock and will again a little bit later about Johnny Cueto and the excellence of yesterday's game, especially Cueto. But as we're looking overall at the state of things, as a team under three games under 500. At this point in the year, with where they were supposed to be, we have to acknowledge some of uh, the general ugliness salute that abounds um, with that team when they play games. And that Friday loss was ugly. Luis Robert drops that fly ball in the eighth, leads to an extra Tigers run that matters in the end uh, because the tying run came up to the plate. A couple of times, but they could not get it done with the White Sox. A couple of long fly balls there in the eighth and ninth that almost got there, but did not. And Lucas Giolito being allowed to stay out there in the seventh as he struggled. I just don't I don't think Tony has a very good feel for that crucial moment these days when the starter is tiring, the starter is is in the final throws and you're wondering when to make that hook. He leans on the starting pitcher, does Tony, and then talks about how they deserved it, how that was their inning, those kind of things. This is Tony. Is this from Friday? 
him saying that about Giolito in that seventh inning? The process of watching Lucas and seeing well, did he get the first two outs out? Right. Right. Did he pitch a hell of a game? Absolutely. Yeah. So he gets a big, gives a base hit, tough walk on 3-2, and you make I make a decision that he's, he earned, he's earned the right to get that last out. He got him out the first time, second time at home run. That's the process. He's the guy that I thought earned it right to get that out, and I was confident he would. So that's Tony's M.O. I didn't even know that cut existed. That's funny. Sean, good, good hands, good eye, good ear. That's him cutting off James Feagan of The Athletic as he's asking about that moment. Said, did he get the first two outs? Yeah, he did. Uh, he's earned it. This is, this is Tony's M.O., and it worked for a lot of years. It worked for decades. It's a Hall of Fame manager, but the game has changed. And this idea that a starter has earned the right to finish an inning, be it the seventh or the sixth, sometimes the fifth, that, that it, that's just not, not the way it is anymore. You can bemoan the fact that it's not that way anymore. Is it better for baseball when the starting pitcher goes deeper and you identify him and feel that he is an emblem of the game and the win or the loss is dependent on how that starting pitcher does you know, to a great extent? Is that better overall for the game? You could argue that, actually. But is that the way the game is played, built, managed, and generally managed now? No, it's not. Hell, even yesterday after Cueto, did you hear Tony like lamenting the win-loss record for Johnny Quid? Oh, boy, you know, it's too bad. No, it, it's all right. Hey, come on. We live in a world where people win Cy Youngs with an under 500 record as a starting pitcher. It's not about that anymore. Oh, God, it's so frustrating. So some, sometimes uh, Tony will lean on that out of stubbornness and a desire to show faith in his guys that worked for a long, long time, but it's just not the way the game is managed anymore. Anyway, the White Sox are in the midst of their stretch of 19 games against the division. Last week we talked about it a lot with you guys, and the general consensus, again, salute, um, is that this stretch, okay, what do you got? Let's go. Game on. What do we got? We're six games into it now. What do you see? Okay, we all needed to see it, right? All right, here's your time. Here's your chance. Going against the division. What do you got? Two and four after the win yesterday. Two and four against the Twins and the Tigers. Lots more against Cleveland and Minnesota coming. Overall, they are 12 and 16 against this division this year. Oh, by the way, they're 18 and 25 at home. And two and four in these six games. Two and four. It's been ugly the same kind of stuff we've been seeing. And there have been a couple of moments. The first win against the Twins, flashpoint opportunity came from behind five different times. Amazing. But this team doesn't, doesn't get a fire lit by a flashpoint and all of a sudden play better or slam the hell out of the ball in a way that can mask the fact that they're not playing better. They just, they just don't seem to do it. Here we go. All right. 13 more in this stretch of 19. Now we'll see it, right? Here we go. This stretch of 13, within the stretch of 19 that we've been talking about, this is the important stretch. 312-644-6767. Let's go around the league with some fun stuff and some interesting stuff that does relate to the moment. First of all, out in San Francisco, do you see what this guy did? You see what he's doing? And this is what he did yesterday to end the game for the San Francisco Giants. The 0-2 pitch. 
He struck him out. The Giants win it. And going the distance is Rodon. He goes all the way on 112 pitches. 112 pitches for Carlos Rodon. A complete game. And that dude was great at the beginning of the year, and we watched and wondered whether it was going to continue. You know, remember, remember all the times people would say, let's see where he is in July. Okay, middle of July. He's got the eighth best ERA in the National League. He's got a 2.70 ERA. He's thrown 100 innings, a whip of 1.06, so just over one base runner per inning, has made 17 starts. And Carlos Rodon has given up 74 hits in those 100 innings. And in terms of strikeouts, 124 for Rodon is second in the National League to Corbin Burns. He's been terrific. He hit 99 in that pitch, too. So people worried about his dead arm. Doing just fine. Yeah, dead arm is not has not shown itself. Rodon signed, I think it's a two-year deal with an opt-out, though. I think he has an opt-out at the end of this year. So Rodon could opt-out again and hit free agency again after a second straight year of have, being forced to gamble on himself a little bit and pitching his butt off. What's interesting is that the San Francisco Giants are in a very similar spot to the White Sox, but worse because the Dodgers own their division. So the Giants have played poorly and are probably going to be sellers here at the trade deadline. So do they trade Carlos Rodon? I think that might be... Uh, one of the two most attractive starting pitchers on the market. Him and Luis Castillo would be my two guys, depending on what you want and what you need. So, look, I, it, it, if I'm the Giants, Rodon probably going to opt out. I absolutely field some phone calls right now. Both him and Jack Peterson probably moving at the deadline, right? Yeah, probably. Another move for Jack. They'll be like his fifth team in three seasons. Is, is that what it'll be? <laughs> Something like it's, that. It's remarkable. It's remarkable. Jack, a big part of the Braves push last year uh, after having been on both, uh, uh, I mean, so many teams. So many unbelievable teams. He's on the last two World Series winners somehow. Yep, yep. that works. Reminds me of uh, Eric Hinsky, four consecutive World Series champions with four different teams. Eric Kinski. That's a good call there. Don Baylor, before that, three consecutive World Series champions on three different teams. He did that, um, or at least went to the World Series, because it was Red Sox in 86, it was Twins in 87, and Oakland in 88 for Don Baylor. And then Hinsky with four. And he won them all. Absolutely crazy. Speaking of the Red Sox, good stuff at Fenway last night between the Red Sox and the Yankees. Verdugo to right field. This game is tied. Here comes Jeter Downs. The throw from Gabo. The Red Sox walk it off. After the Yankees took the first couple at Fenway, it's the Red Sox there with Jeter. Jeter walking it off against the Yankees. Jeter Downs is the player. Yankees remain the best team in baseball by a wide margin at 61 and 24. They have six more wins than both the Dodgers and the Houston Astros. They have eight more wins than their city partners, the New York Mets, who also had a chance yesterday to finish their game in style. Fifth. And Brandon hits one back to the mound. Bobbled for a moment by Scott. Throws oh!
man. That is uh, Gary Cohen with an exciting call as the Mets walk off the Marlins. And the Mets will be a buyer at the deadline. I know they are in first place in that division, but Atlanta looms and is playing well. Two and a half games back. How about Spencer Strider, man? That dude is crazy. And how about Dansby Swanson? who frankly ought to be the starter for the National League at shortstop. Trey Trey Turner is the starter, and Trey Turner's having a very nice year. Uh, But Dansby Swanson's having an unbelievable year. But he will make the team, that's for sure. And even the Phillies, um, even the Phillies who are 7-3 and in their last 10, that whole division, man, Miami, Philadelphia, and Atlanta, all three of them are 7-3 and in their last 10. And the Mets are... uh, Ahead by two and a half, as I mentioned, over Atlanta. But they'll be a buyer. They need a bat at the deadline. I, fun stuff around the league. Um, baseball keeps giving you every day all these matchups, interesting teams, interesting players. And with the All-Star game looming and the reserves getting mentioned tonight at 5.30 Eastern time, uh, I, I'm, I'm thankful for the rest of the league because sometimes the locals can be a little tough to focus on. <laughs> Let's go to Ryan. Let's go to Ryan on 670 The Score. Ryan, part of the Twitch MOB, is here with us on Hit and Run on a Sunday morning. What's up, man? How you doing? Good. How are you, Speaks? I am good. It, I, am I supposed to say where you're from? I just don't, don't want to just say your last name. Where, where should I tell people you're you're from, Ryan? A car? You know, I'm... Yeah, we well actually, I'm parked meeting up with a good portion of the mob. We're going to carry caravan into Lot B. Let's go! Today, I know. Lot I know. B. I'm excited. Everybody's caravanning in. Twitch mob, White Sox game, hangout, pregame, yes, tailgate, and you're caravanning. That's the way to do it. So then you can all park next to each other, huh? I'll give you one guess where we're sitting too. Uh, let's see. Scout seats. Congratulations. I picked up that tab too for all you guys. I got scout seats. I appreciate it. I I got, I got the invite last night. Thank you. We did it all online. It was great that you Uh, you got it. We're actually, uh, we're actually going to be in the one Oh eight. It's a fusion of the Parkinson Spiegel Twitch mob and the one Oh eight, the from the one Oh eight guys. That is freaking glorious. I hope you get a wonderful game. You got a beautiful day, right? Supposed to be beautiful all day. Got the best day for it. Oh. Got the best day for it, Speak. Come on now. That that's awesome. I, I I wish I wish I could join you. That is it's gonna be a high of 79 and pure sun all day long. That is just phenomenal. I know. Hopefully we can get one going later on in the season. Yeah, yeah, I'll be I'll be in. Um absolutely. Enjoy your day. Enjoy your day. Um, did you enjoy Johnny Cueto yesterday, Ryan? Because he's the goods. I mean, I've I've been enjoying Johnny Cueto all year. What a what a beautiful revelation, and we're able to see his style of pitching in the city. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. Uh, um, go ahead. Sorry about that. So I have I have two questions for you. I know that uh, I know that you're out on the White Sox winning the division, no matter what Shane says. <laughs> but um, I wonder if you would trade Johnny Cueto and get a return because there's no point in keeping him if they're going to lose the division and not make the playoffs. And two, do you think that Rick Hahn is thinking about that? Well, I, I think you're going to have to wait and see where you are uh, at the end of this month. And you've got the opportunity for this stretch, which we know is not going well so far 
And thank you for the call, Ryan. Have an awesome day out there uh, with our people. Please give warm hugs or just a jellyfish. Throw them on the ground and then jellyfish on top of them and tell them it's from me. Uh, do that for me. Um, I, if you're Rick Hahn or if you're me, you have to wait until the end of the month. Because as much as I am in a go-ahead-and-show-me mode for the White Sox or I just don't believe that you're going to do it until you show it to me, you've got an opportunity here still. And you can't give up. Cueto has been your most reliable starter. If you get to August 1st and you're even further out than you are now, and remember that in the division, because Minnesota and Cleveland um, both had lost on Friday. Minnesota lost again yesterday. Cleveland, though, with a win. White Sox now five games back in the Central with Cleveland in between them. And as far as in the wild card, the White Sox are three and a half games back of the third wild card now with three teams in between them. Baltimore has jumped ahead of the White Sox. Seattle, Cleveland, and Baltimore ahead of the White Sox. Orioles have won seven straight games. They've won seven straight games. The Orioles' starting pitchers have the best ERA as a rotation in baseball since the middle of June. What is this team, man? Since Adley Rutschman came up, the Orioles are six games over five hundred. Since he came up in the middle of May, they have a bunch of big arms on that staff and a bunch of impressive five-tool or at least two-way players, guys who can play defense and offense, and they're doing, they're doing good things. But anyway, if you're the White Sox, I know it feels bleak, and it is bleak, but you can't make up your mind right now to become a seller just yet. No, and, and I don't think they're going to do it in general. I'd be very, very surprised if they do it, but if there's a real bad stretch here in terms of wins and losses and it helps define you and give you some clarity by the end of the month, then you do need to pivot and take the opportunity. It's just I don't think they're going to play that poorly. They're not going to lose that many games to make it that obvious. It's Matt Spiegel here with you on Hit and Run. Jim Callis from MLB Pipeline. Tell us about the Cubs prospects that matter. Tell us about the White Sox prospects that matter. Who can we expect soon? And explain to me what Matt Mervis is and if he's real and what we're actually looking at. We'll do that next with Jim Callis right here on 670 The Score. The premier worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole. Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. 
Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Baseball show in Chicago. Hit and run with Matt Spiegel. Got set and delivers. The 1-1 pitch is launched. Deep out towards right field. Goodbye. The Cubs win it. A walk-off grand slam with two outs in the ninth. The 19-year-old, two hours away from his birthday, Sends the Cubs home with an 8-6 victory. Owen Casey, 19 years old. He's gotten a lot done already in his minor league career. Will the Darvish trade age better than it felt at the time? And frankly, it still feels now in light of kind of pushing the Cubs towards a build if not a full-on rebuild, however you want to semantically call that, if Owen Casey ends up being an effective and useful part of a bunch of good teams, that trade will age a little better, but we might be a long way from it. Let's figure out exactly what we have in the systems for the Cubs and the Sox right now. It's been a long time since we talked to Jim Callis of MLB Pipeline. Jim joins us on the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline, Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. And when I say us, I mean me, Matt Spiegel. Hello, Jim. How are you? Hope all is well. Yeah, I'm doing well, Matt. How are you? I'm um, great. So as we've asked Cub fans to zoom out, and I know the draft looms um, and want to talk to you a little bit about that, but a nice opportunity here to ask you about some of the prospects in the system. What do you think of Owen Casey and um, how aggressive should the Cubs be in sort of pushing him along and seeing what he can do? Um, you know, I think they've actually been kind of aggressive. I mean, if you look at the guys they got in the Darvish trade, he's been, the, you know, he, he was the one they pushed from rookie ball to low A, Yep. Last year, and then even though he didn't tear up low A, and he just played, I think it was what like about a month there, they promoted him to high A this year. He he's still only twenty. I don't have a problem with keeping him in high A, even if even if it winds up being the whole season. I mean, I like Owen Casey a lot. You know, super interesting. I mean, with the bat speed and the strength and leverage, there's a lot of power there. But it's not like you know he's he's having a good season, but he, he's striking out three times as much as he's walking in 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 high A. At age 20, I would just kind of let him sit there and, and develop for right now. So overall, it feels like they have been aggressive with a lot of those prospects that they gained in the trades. Um, what do you think about the way that they're moving um, some of these guys through the system? Uh, and, 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 and is this is this a harbinger of how quickly they want some guys to get to the big leagues? It's an easy way to read it. Um, well, you know, I, I think Casey's been more the exception. I, I honestly think they've let the guys kind of let the development take care of themselves. I mean, you know, we've seen Caleb Killian in the big leagues, and 
Yeah, the weird thing is he he was the exact opposite in the big leagues of what you saw throughout his minor league career where he throws a ton of strikes. Like, he, he just was not that guy in his first three big league starts. But, you know, I mean, he was playing very well in AAA. So I think it was more a case of, you know, like like not so much pushing him as him being ready. And, you know, Pete Crow Armstrong came over in the Javi Baez trade, was just destroying low A. You know, he he barely played coming into this year because of the pandemic. And then he was hurt last year. And they moved him up. So I, I, I haven't necessarily felt, Matt, that they're trying to push guys aggressively. It's been more than I think when you have a young guy like a Casey or a, a Pete Crow Armstrong or you have a, an older guy like a Caleb Killian whose performance merits that they've moved those guys. But I, I haven't really sensed that they're trying to push the guys up to try to get him to Chicago quicker. Okay, well, you know, I, I, I sensed a bunch and heard, talked to people about some aggressive placements at the beginning of the year. But, um, but no, I appreciate your, your correction on it in terms of, like, how they're moving him through. Um, do, you, do you have any impressions of, of the Cubs as a development system uh, now in the post-Jason McLeod era? Like, what has changed from the way that Theo used to do it to the way that now Jed is doing it at this point? Well, I mean, not a lot of uh, specifics because I think they do try to keep some stuff under yep. under wraps. But I mean, I mean, I don't think it's any secret. And look, I mean, Jed will tell you. I mean, he was part of that Theo Jason team too, so it wasn't like like Jed was in the corner going, "Wait, we're doing this wrong. We got uh-huh. we we got to change things." But like, I mean, I, like I think even Jason would tell you, and Theo would tell you, they didn't do a very good job of developing pitching while those guys were there. And I think they they've they've overhauled what they've looked for. You know, I do think they went through a couple of years where they were they were prioritizing guys with clean deliveries who threw strikes, who had success in Power Five conferences. And and look, Keegan Thompson's pitching well in the big leagues right now, but they drafted a bunch of the same guy. And a lot of times, when you have guys with clean deliveries who throw strikes, I mean, I'm oversimplifying this a little bit, but the hitters see the ball out of their hand really well. And and you know, it wasn't guys who had you know were throwing mid 90s. It was more low 90s. And a lot of the Corey Abbotts and Tyler Millers and those guys got hit when they got the chance to pitch at the upper level. So I think they've, they've kind of changed that. And I mean, we've all heard about the pitching lab. I don't think we get a lot of particulars about what they're, what they're doing, but I mean, I, I think they're one of these teams that's, that's trying to add, you know, the sweeping slider, you know, as an integral pitch. And, you know, it seems like everybody's all about now, you know, instead of two seam sink, it's four seamers up with carry and, mm-hmm. you know, induced vertical break and that type of thing. So I, I think they've, they've kind of, Without again, they aren't they aren't telling us exactly what they're doing, but I think they're 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 taking a broader look at the type of pitchers they're trying to bring into the organization, not just a lot of the same necessarily type guy. Um, and I think they're they're trying new ways to develop. Um, Jim Callis with MLB Pipeline. What do you think of Matt Mervis at age twenty four? a 39th round draft pick of the nationals in 2016. So this is a guy who was, you know, more than, well, that was out of high school. That was out of high school and he was going to Duke. So like he okay. wasn't going to sign. Okay. He, he was drafted out of a prep school and he was going to Duke. So Matt Mervis was not going to sign for $125,000. <laughs> so, so his high school draft status, I don't think is super fair. And you know, he was one of the, at the time we thought he was one of the better guys in the pandemic when they only had a five round draft. Uh, he didn't get drafted, and, and he signed. You know, they had a twenty thousand dollar limit. You could sign non-drafted players for that year, and he was one of the better players to sign. And it made sense. I mean, he was a fourth-year guy. He was twenty-two. You know, he, he's a prospect. I mean, I I caution maybe about getting like super excited, like oh, this guy's can't miss because he's got a thousand ops and twenty home runs already. Because you know, he's not 
super young. As you point out, he's 24. Um, you know, you know the, the thing that I think that's positive is, you know, I mean, when he tore up high A, he should have torn up high A. You know, everybody's development path got kind of slowed because of the pandemic, and he was no exception. He didn't have a very good year in low A last year, but he's continuing to mash in, in double A. Now, I think the, the, the key for him is going to be probably, you know, proving that he can have this kind of success in triple A in the big leagues. He, he's an aggressive hitter. He doesn't walk much. He doesn't strike out, like, a horrible amount, but he doesn't walk. And, and like, sometimes those guys, when you get to AAA, you get to the big leagues, those pitchers make you expand your, your zone a little bit. You know, it's, you know it, it's a little bit of a tough profile because it's, it's, he's dabbled a little bit. You know, hand, like, I think he played a game at third, a game in the outfield last year. But he's, he's a first baseman only, and obviously the bar is, is pretty high there. But, he, you know, I, I think he's been one of the more pleasant developments in the system this year. And... Yeah, you know, I don't know that they would necessarily promote him to AAA this year. Um, I haven't looked kind of at the organization depth chart, but like if he keeps hitting AA, they, they probably do need to get him into Iowa and, and start thinking about you know at some point next year getting him to Chicago and, and seeing what he could do. Is there is there a sense, or am I just seeing it more that AA is the new AAA in terms of promotion? Like I'm seeing I'm seeing some people whether it's Michael it's Michael Harris down in Atlanta or you know others like just skipping AAA. What why is that happening? A little more often this year or is it just my my sensation i, I don't know i'm, I'm going to be the naysayer here again matt like i, I swear <laughs> we were talking about this when i started working at baseball america in the late 80s and early 90s about how more guys were getting promoted from double a it's you know what it is, is i think I, I think it's guys i think when you notice it is it, it's a lot of times it's contenders you know like the braves are trying to win now and michael harris is a top 100 prospect who was playing well they had a need in the outfield and it's like, look, let's go get this guy. You know, I, I don't think like, and I'm not trying to say that, that Matt Mervis is in the same you know boat as, as Michael Harris, but like, you know, the Cubs, the Cubs aren't, you know, in a position where they're trying to, I mean, you're trying to win, you know what I'm saying? They're not, yeah, of course. they're not going to go to the playoffs. So like if they have, I'm just trying to find an example of a guy, like a uh, guy who's in double A. Well, uh, I mean, well, like a cut. Like Ryan Jensen or Alexander Canario. Sure. Like, neither one who's lighting it up. But, like, even if they were, I, I think you'd see the Cubs say, okay, let's move them to AAA and see what they do. And they do that with Caleb Killian. You know, Caleb Killian dominated AA. Like, he tore up the fall league. You, you could have you perhaps made a case, hey, let's put him straight in the big league. I mean, it wouldn't really make sense. Instead, it was like, no, let's, let's put him in AAA for a while and, and see what he can do. So, I think, I think a lot of it depends on – I think you see it more – with the the more elite type prospect, and then if the team's trying to win now, it's like, look, this guy's really good, and he's our best player. Let's let's get him up here. Yeah, I mean, we just have time for one or two more uh, moments where Jim Callis shoots down all my uh, harebrained fears. I know, I'm not being a very good guest. <laughs> no, no you, I don't think I'm being a very good host, frankly, Jim. It's on me. Don't t- don't don't take it personally. Um, at, at Colson Montgomery, where do you see it as Colson Montgomery's ceiling? This is a guy that White Sox fans hear a lot about, but haven't had a chance to see yet. Yeah, no, he's exciting. I mean, he, I mean, it's kind of like I almost feel like it's a lazy comp, although I keep using it because everybody does too. Like, yeah, you know, he's a six foot four, left-handed hitting, you know, shortstop with a chance to stay there, and so everybody kind of comps him to Corey Seager. And you know, I, I think what's been really good about his development is, you know, a lot of times guys come into pro ball, and you saw this with their second round pick last year, West Cat. They come into pro ball, and, and they're a high pick, and they got a seven figure bonus, and they try to do too much. And Colson Montgomery has just kind of taken things as they've come. You know, he did not hit a home run in his debut last year, but he controlled the strike zone. He hit 287 in rookie ball. And kind of the same thing this year. You're like, he didn't hit a lot of home runs early. He still only has six. Um, 
but he's hitting 327. He's controlling the strike zone, and I think he's he, he's been more worried about getting acclimated to pro pitching. And and you know, it's easy to say this, and a lot of guys just don't take it to heart. But I mean, you're talking about a six foot four guy, 205 pounds. He's going to get you know even stronger. He's making good swing decisions. He's making contact. He's got bat speed. I mean, this guy's going to be a 2025 home run guy without swinging for the fences. And he's come in and he's handled pro ball really well. So I liked him when they drafted him. And he's been, I'd have to say, I think even better than I thought he was going to be, at least, you know, initially. So, Jim, if I tune into the Futures game, which I love to do, and at MLB Network, I get Scott Braun, Yonder Alonzo, and Jim Callis will be there uh, on the call. Um, and I'll see Oscar Colas, and I'll see Pete Crow Armstrong. Who are you excited to get a look at up close and personal in that yeah, Futures I'm game? I'm excited about seeing both those guys. I did get to see Pete Crow Armstrong. I mean, it was a couple of years ago at the Under Armour game when that was at Wrigley. I think the guy I'm most excited about seeing uh, is Yuri Perez of the Marlins. He's this 19-year-old kid who's just, you know, because of the pandemic, he didn't make his pro debut until last year, he, he's six eight. He tore up like low A and high A at eighteen. He's tearing up double A at at age nineteen, and he's just—it's uncanny how advanced this guy is. Usually, when you have a guy who's that big and that young, they're trying to figure things out and keep everything in sync. And he's got three plus pitches and can really. I had it would probably be him. I, I did get to see Oscar in spring training on the backfields, and he looked pretty good. I saw him there too. So, Jim, 31 of the 50 players on the Future Games rosters are in your top 100 prospects list at MLB Pipeline. Just absolutely stacked. And uh, you enjoy doing that game? Enjoy getting to do it? I do. Yeah, no, it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's, I wish, I mean, they won't listen to me. I hate that it's seven innings. I wish it was nine innings. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, we get to see, I mean, you aren't going to see, I can't think of any other event during the year where you're going to see that many of baseball's best prospects on the field at the same time. I mean, there's some cool games in the fall league and the fall stars game, but it's not the same, especially from the the pitching side. I mean, literally every guy they bring out and it's kind of cool because it's only one inning. So these guys aren't trying to go six. They're coming out and, 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 you know, giving you everything they have for a full inning. And you're going to see a lot of really good arms. It's just a lot of fun seeing the best against the best. Jim, thanks so much. Have a great week. Appreciate it. Yeah, great talking to you, Matt. Take right, care. You too. That's Jim Callis from MLB Pipeline. Ron Coomer at the top of the hour. Uh, Carter Hawkins is the GM of the Cubs. You know that. But I don't know how often you've heard him speak. Good interview with Lawrence Holmes and Mark Grody. Want to play some of that for you and give you my thoughts on it. We'll do that next on The Score. The premier baseball sh- After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor, you are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Go in Chicago. Hit and run with Matt Spiegel. 
An hour from now, the great Chris, uh, the great Chris Kamka, is going to join us as he always does. Ron Coomer at the top of the hour. But wanted you to hear from Carter Hawkins, the Cubs GM, who was on the score this week with Lawrence Holmes and Mark Grody. Carter, when you're talking about a player making it to the major leagues, like just making it to the show doesn't end their development. So how do how do you as an organization, what's the philosophy on continuing to develop a major league player? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think back to, you know, my time in Cleveland and I think about watching, you know, Corey Kluber's first outing in the major leagues. It was it was pretty bad. You know, I think, you know, he hit a guy in the head, you know, one of those first pitches and everybody's looking around like, who is this guy? Um, but at the same time, you know, that, that development path isn't linear and it, it certainly uh, doesn't stop when you get to the major leagues. Now, getting to the major leagues puts an extra barrier in place because, you know, one, everything you're doing is in front of tens of thousands of fans, you know, in person and hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people watching on TV. So it adds that extra layer of pressure. It makes it a little bit more difficult to try things. But at the same time, I think you're seeing around the league players that have gotten to the major league level, made adjustments, um, and really just change the trajectory of their careers or continue the development of their careers. And I think it's really just having that extra partnership with the player, making sure that when we're suggesting things to them, that there's a lot of evidence behind it and the player is helping to drive that process. And when you get that trust on both sides, you can get guys to really buy into things. And you see some of the things that you see, like, you know, Adrian Sampson, you know, and what he's been able to do over the last, you know, few starts, he's made some changes at the major league level and, you know, has really shown some success as a result of it. Christopher Morell, interesting guy. I mean, he he sort of caught me off guard as a guy that that you guys would elevate to the bigs, let alone thrive in the bigs at this point. Uh, honestly, are, are you surprised that you have gotten what you guys yeah. have gotten out of Christopher Morell? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think anybody that they would say, "Oh, yeah, I knew that he was going to come up and out of eight fifty OPS, <laughs> like." And be the you know be the backbone of our energy and, and everything on the team. Like, of course we didn't know that. Of course we thought we had the potential to. But that's just so much fun about this is we have no idea how good these guys can be. But at the same time, that doesn't mean we throw up our hands and say, "Hey, we're just going to let them. Let's see where the chips fall." We can say, "Okay, how can we make each of these guys better? What resources can we put in place? What plans can we put in place to make sure that we are optimizing our chance for these guys to?" have that 90th percentile outcome like Chris has had over the last few weeks. So, yeah, surprise for sure. Um, excited. You know, looking for ways to continue to, to have him progress. You know, I think you're seeing him make some adjustments at the major league level. I mean, it doesn't take, you know, a super scout to realize that he's getting a lot of breaking balls now. Like, okay, like how is he going to adjust to that? And, you know, he's done a really good job of it. Obviously got, in, got into one last night. And, um, yeah, just a really exciting aspect of, of the development process for him and for the entire organization. Carter Hawkins, the general manager of the Chicago Cubs, joining us here for a few minutes on the score. I'm fascinated by Keegan Thompson. I, I think that you could look at him like trajectory-wise and go, that's a guy who's in the middle of a rotation or maybe the top of rotation, or this is a high-leverage reliever at the end of games. Have you guys made a decision on what you think he is, or are both of those options still on the table? I'd say both options are always on the table, um, but at the same time, it's like we want the guys that throw the best having the chance to get the most outs, and the best way to do that is in a starter's, in a starter's role, and Keegan has certainly shown us that he can do that in a starter's role. Um, now, you know, if we could always optimize or you know, just find the highest leverage five or six innings for someone to throw, 
Um, we would do that, but it's really difficult to make that prediction you know, day in and day out and not have a guy sit on the bench for 10 days. So that's, I think, why starters get on the routines that they get on. But I mean, heck, this guy obviously you know, has come out, you know, had some really big games for us, some games that have stopped some skids for us, which is really hard to do. He's getting strikeouts. He's throwing strikes. He's logging innings. It's, it's a really impressive um, progression for him that you know, speaks to the things that the organization put in place, you know, well before I got here. So we couldn't be more excited about Keegan and the things he's doing and, you know, whatever role it is, it's going to be a high leverage one for us. And, you know, really excited that he's on our team. Carter, with the present state of the organization, we're, we're all back at a point where as those of us in the media and plenty of Cubs fans, we, we are again paying attention to what is going on with with the minor leagues and and those potential major league prospects, especially the ones that I look at are the ones that that you guys were able to get for for Chris Bryant and Javier Baez and Anthony Rizzo and and one of those guys is what was in the Baez deal who has had a strong year, sort of a revealing year this year is Pete Crow Armstrong, PCA, who is going to be playing in the Futures game. I don't want to rush any processes, but when you look at a guy like that, how close to being ready is he and how far off might he be? Because we hear a lot about him. Yeah, I mean, I think any of our players that, you know, have the skills that a guy like PCA has, you know, could go up and play in the major leagues and then be able to have some success. I think specifically for Pete, you know, his defense is something that's, you know, major league caliber. I mean, you, think you see it in spring training when these guys come up and play major league games. It's not like they, they look out of place. You know, really what we're looking to try to develop in a lot of ways is just the consistency of that greatness. You know, great is just good, consistent over time, uh, oftentimes. And, and Pete, you know, certainly has shown that on defense and continuing to try to, um, you know, develop his approach offensively toward the cover off the ball in Myrtle Beach, added some power. You know, he really hasn't had that much bulk in his professional career just because of some injuries early on in his career. But, you know, now that he's healthy, we've been able to see, you know, the things that he can do at the plate. Um, so saw it in Myrtle and have continued to see it um, at South Bend. He's in high A right now. You know, to your point, like can't really put a timeline on it, mm-hmm. but uh, he's, cert- he's certainly moving fast um, and a guy that, you know, everybody organizationally is excited about. And I think, you know, with this Futures Game nomination, uh, somebody that the industry is definitely taking, uh, taking a look at pretty hard. I'm sure that there are teams that are kind of in their championship windows that are looking at your roster and kind of licking their chops. When it comes to the, the players on your team that there have been rumors about maybe trading, what's the, the organizational philosophy on how to deal with that with the player? And what I mean, Carter, is are you in constant contact with players or are, have you told them, look, there's nothing that's happened. If something happens, we are going to let you know before a deal gets done. Yeah, I think you try to be as respectful as possible, especially with guys that, you know, have been around the game for a long time or have been in the organization a long time with just communicating anything, you know, whether that's a roster move, whether that's, you know, just a change in where they're going to hit in the lineup, whether that's a change in what their role is going to be. And, you know, I think that the trade process is no different. Um, you know, so there's nothing uh, that we've done, you know, proactively at this point. But I think if we got to that point with any of our players to the extent that we're able to to treat that with as much respect as possible, I mean, I think about it like, you know, from a standpoint of just a personal life, right? Like you're, you're up and moving. I mean, I guess we could all imagine if our bosses came in and said, Hey, you know, I need you to move to, to Kansas city tomorrow. You'd be like, well, what the heck? Like all the things that you have to figure out for your life. So anything we can do on that end, 
um, just to be a place where, where players want to play and feel like they're communicated with or going to do. Um, you know, I don't think that that's any different than, uh, uh, or I think that certainly applies uh, to the trade process as well. Is it hard to, uh, this is going to sound weird, me even asking it this way, to know that you're dealing with human beings instead of just the numbers. And it, is that a hard thing for an executive to learn that it isn't just trading trading cards or picking up trading cards that you are dealing with actual human beings? I think it's, it is something that you learn over time. And as you spend more time down in the clubhouse, as you spend more time at a minor league affiliate, as you spend more time, you know, in the, the locker room of a minor league coaching staff or with scouts out on the road, it, it can be really easy to think about players just as names on a spreadsheet. Then you think about, you know, you move a player's name on a spreadsheet from column A to column B, and that's a 17-year-old Latin American kid that now is getting to go to the States for the first time because you moved him from column A to column B. And then you think about the cascading effects of that decision. And I mean, now his family's so excited that he's going to the States and he's probably having a party and, you know, all of these different emotions and the things that he'd worked so hard towards. Um, and I think there's value, you know, certainly in, in understanding that, um, not letting it get in the way of, of good decisions, but letting it be something that helps you connect uh, at a better level across the organization so that, you get buy-in on the things that you're trying to do with your coaches, with your staff, with your scouts, and with your players. So, yeah, it's hard, and it definitely on the on the not fun conversations makes it really hard. And I think my wife could tell you that you know when when we have some of those not fun conversations, I'm, I'm definitely in a much different mood. Um, so that's not the fun part of the job by any means. Luckily, it's one percent of it, not ninety nine. That see, that's where the cats come in handy because they're very soothing. <laughs> exactly. Very, exactly. Yeah. That's... If he maybe changed the litter box on a day we had to have a really difficult conversation, uh, <laughs> oof, not sure I could come back from that. Hey, I, I bet I know when you are in a good mood because you know you're you you were a scout, you were a player development guy, director of it in Cleveland. Hey man, you guys have a number the number seven overall pick in this year's draft coming up July seventeenth to the nineteenth. Is that the best time for a, a GM, a person in your position, whether with the Cubs or in your life with with Cleveland? It's uh, it's definitely fun, but it's just so challenging as well. There's just so much variance around any of these picks. You know, even the guys that get picked first overall. You know, not all of those guys you know end up being elite players or, or you know even average players. You think about Mark Capel, who was a 1-1 pick by the Astros years and years ago, just made his debut. Yeah. You know, he got drafted you know, with Chris Bryant. So think about all that's transpired since Chris Bryant was drafted um, way back when. You know, Mark Capel's been grinding it through the minor league during that exact same time as the number one pick. So it's an area or a time of a lot of stress just because of all that variance and just trying to figure out how can I mitigate um, you know, just the, the error bars around this decision. But also, it's really fun to dream and think about, you know, what we can do with players and how we can really get them into our system and, and help them, you know, be the players that we all hope they can become. So from that standpoint, it's really fun. And it's just fun to reconnect with some of the scouts that have been out on the road all year. You know, you just don't get to see those guys every day and having them come back in. That's uh, that's always a time to celebrate, too. You know, um, we'll see how this stuff manifests in the next few years in terms of what the Cubs do on the big league level. But having Carter Hawkins bring the Cleveland mindset of development and scouting and especially how they think about pitching and bring an, an outside perspective as opposed to, 
you know, uh, another employee who learned under Theo and Jed in Boston and and kind of furthers things like that. It's it's a very healthy thing for the organization. I find Carter Hawkins to be thoughtful um, and kind of impressive as a front office dude. We'll see what it manifests. But also, I think he's smooth as a talker, isn't he? He's very smooth, gives good, solid answers. And you, you kind of you understand what he's saying. The, the Pete Crow Armstrong stuff, the way that he talked about that, I really liked that. Like, oh, you could call a guy up and you can see he would look like a big leaguer. We're just trying to get it to be more consistent. We want it to be more consistent that he looks that way. So I, I found that to be interesting stuff. It was Carter Hawkins with uh, Holmes and Grody during the week. It is Matt Spiegel here with you on Hit and Run. Lots to come, starting with Ron Coomer in a matter of moments right here on The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. <laughs> 